What's up? This is Perry Noble, and thanks for downloading this edition of the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. This is our first of six messages from our New Spring Leadership Conference that we just had here, and um, this is actually my talk. Uh, the thing I hope you take away from this talk more than anything is that before God does something through you, He wants to do something in you. I won't talk about it anymore. Um, here's the talk. God bless, and have a great day. Let's pray, and we're going to jump right in. Father, in the name of Jesus... Today, my prayer is, is very simple. Jesus, that you would be lifted up in this place, that you would be glorified, and that, God, we would walk away from here um, not only better leaders, but better followers of you. Um, God, rock our world and uh, do whatever it takes to get our attention. We love you, Jesus, and we ask this in your name. Amen. How many of you have kids? You have kids. Okay, wow, a lot of productive people. Obviously, y'all listen to Pastor Mark's Song of Solomon series. Um, I... I have Lucretia and I, Lucretia's my wife, and we had our first kid about three years ago. Many of you know, if you listen to podcasts, her name is Karis, and I love her so much. But do you remember when you were getting ready to have kids, all the people that came up and said stupid things to you, um, and they would say, uh, everything's getting ready to change. Remember that? Everything's getting ready to change. Everything's getting ready to change. Um, I didn't really understand that until Karis showed up. Everything changed because how many of you, real quick, are single, like you're single? Okay, what, now look around, because y'all wanted to know. And uh, <laughs> Anyway, so I, just, I tried to help some of you guys out. Um, there's a reason you're single, because you didn't look. Anyway, I, I, when, we, when, when, when I was single, I pretty much did whatever I wanted. Remember that? Remember those days where you would be, like, at 2 o'clock in the morning, you'd be like, hey, I think I'll go play volleyball. And you could always find people to go play volleyball at 2 o'clock in the morning. Um, and, and so that, that was kind of cool. And then when Lucretia and I got married, we were married for seven years without kids. You remember the days when you could say, hey, honey, would you like to go out to eat? And then 10 minutes later, you were in the restaurant. Remember that? Remember that? Um, you, you, didn't, you didn't have to plan. Or it would be like, hey, honey, would you like to go to a foreign country? And then like four hours later, you're in the foreign country. I mean, it, but when you have kids show up, they wreck everything. Um, they, they just kind of messed the whole process up. And so when we had Karis, literally it was like, would you like to go out to eat tomorrow night? Because you have to start planning. Remember, you got, you got to get the pre-meal food. You got to get the Cheerios. You got to get the wipes. Those were just for me. Then you had to get the diapers. You get that diaper back. The car seat. Listen, I don't care how godly you are. If you're a man and you've ever put in a car seat, you've cussed. It might not have came out of your mouth, but man, you thought it. Even if it was a Christian cuss word. Come on now. It, anyway, so... So literally, I never will forget this, I never will forget, Lucretia and I, um, Karis was about three months old, and we put her in that little thing, you know, the little thing that all the babies sit in, and I think they should make them for adults too, because they look like the coolest thing in the world, the little baby seat where you kind of sit like that. If I could have one of those and watch college football on Saturdays, I'd be so happy. So, so we put Karis in a little thing, we got the diapers, we got the wipes, we got the bag, we, we got the hot, we got the thing you stick on the edge, I mean, we, we are packing up full. I mean, we're, we're just going nuts. We get, every, I'll never forget this. We sat down in the car and we got the bags. We got everything. I looked at Lucretia. She looked at me. We both smiled. We looked in the back seat and we forgot Karis. How many of you ever forgot your kid at Walmart? Okay. Um, we, we, we forgot Karis. So I run back in the car now. She's fine. She was only three months old. She don't need any counseling or anything, but she, I, I never will forget thinking as I drove away and I'm like, we packed up and prepared for all this stuff, and we forgot the most important thing, our little girl. And as I started reflecting on it that night, I was like, wow, um, many times I think I've done that as a leader, and probably so have you. Um, we, we, we plan really great services, 
We plan really great church events. We, we plan really, I mean, we get so, we, we'll plan three-year strategies, which, by the way, your three-year strategy has never worked. We'll talk about that later. Um, we'll plan three-year strategies. We'll go to conferences. We'll go, we'll, we'll go all these things, and we forget sometimes as leaders. I'm, I'm not saying you. I say we forget. We forget the one who called us and equipped us and empowered us and enabled us and who was always with us. We forget about Jesus. We forget the most important person in the room. And so I, before we get, because you're going to hear some great talks today, and you're probably going to forget all about this, but at least for the next few minutes, I want to just focus on the most important thing, the most important person. What I just want us to focus on Christ, because here's what I know. Here's what I know as leaders. All of us are busy. All of us. There is not one person in this room that has woke up in the past year and said, I don't think I have anything to do today. You have it. In fact, some of you, this week, you've been freaking out going, I signed up for this conference. I don't even know how I'm going to make it. I'm so busy. Some of you have your cell phone right now on vibrate because there's 17 problems in your church that only you can solve, which, if that's the case, then you're the biggest problem in your church, if only you can solve the problem. We'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that later. Now, we forget, we forget the most important person. No, we forget about Christ. And so I just want to focus on a story, and this is something that God has been doing to me in the book of Joshua. If you have your Bibles, um, turn to the book of Joshua. If you don't have your Bibles, um, Pastor Mark will rebuke you for that in a little while. Um, Joshua chapter 5 and chapter 6, there's an interesting story. Now, um, and Joshua is one of my favorite leaders in the Old Testament. Now, up until this point, there had been some cool things going on, right, in Joshua's life. Joshua had, um, Joshua had had an incredible Bible study with God in Joshua chapter 1. Remember that one? Do not fear, do not be terrified, and all that stuff. And, 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 and then chapter 2, he sent the, the spies to the land of Israel. Remember that? And have you ever found it funny or interesting, we never preach on this, that the spies wound up in the prostitute's house? Like, do you think that was by accident? The Bible tells the truth about these guys. It wasn't like, oh, you do what? Oh, well, what a coincidence. I mean, anyway, so I'm just, another sermon, another time. Joshua chapter 3, they crossed the Jordan. Remember that? In Joshua chapter 4 and chapter 5, he, the, the Bible says they all had to get circumcised, and the Bible literally said that Joshua had to circumcise every one of his men. You think you've got a bad job in leadership? How would you like that one? <laughs> hey, send the executive pastor in here. Hey, Bob, this is going to hurt you more than it hurts me, I promise. But toward the end of chapter 5, something really interesting happens. It's just something that kind of stands out to me. And, and this, is, this is the point I'm going to make. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to make one point today, and, we're gonna kinda, and then we're going to have 17 sub-points because I'm Southern Baptist at heart. Um, we're going to make one point, and, and this is it. And this is the thing that I've I'm, I'm really been wrestling through this whole year. And it's before God, before God wants to do something great through you, he wants to do something great in you. Before God wants to do something great through you, he wants to do something great in you. I think the reason God may not be doing a lot of great stuff in our churches is because we as leaders are not letting him do great things in us. So, so that, that's what we're going to talk about. And I'm just going to read some scripture and then we're going to talk about it. Joshua chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 13 of Joshua chapter 5. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. I love this. And Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. But as commander of army of the Lord, I have now come. This is, this is the Old Testament appearance of Jesus. A lot of scholars believe this is Jesus. I believe it's Jesus because of what the text says. 
Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence, kind of changed his tune, and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy, and Joshua did so. Chapter 6, now Jericho was tightly shut up because, because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then, Joshua said, then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I've delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have the priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpet, have all the people give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the people will go up, every man straight in. Now, if you're Joshua, are you digging that battle plan? Are you like, oh, yeah, man, that's, that's what I was thinking. I read a book on how to overtake Jericho in seven easy steps. And step one, march around the city. Step two, march around the city. Joshua, Joshua got a plan from God. Joshua got a vision from God. But it didn't happen until God did something in him. God did something through him after God did something in him. And if we want want to really, really wrap our minds around the fact that God wants to do something in us before he wants to do something through us, I think there's two words we got to really, really dig down on. The first one is, is a word called recognition. We've got to recognize who Jesus is. We've got to recognize. The first step into letting God do something great in your life and in my life is, is recognition. Now, there's three things we've got to recognize. I told you on Baptist, we're hitting points here. Now, they're not all alliterated, but, but I'm, I, I tried. Um, three points. Three things we've got to recognize. The first is the who. Who. Now, how many of you really quick, this is your first trip to Anderson. You've never been to Anderson. This is your first trip. Okay. I don't know if you know this or not. We're not a booming metropolis. We don't even have a Starbucks. There are 22 to 23,000 people in this city. There are around 7 to 8,000 people that show up at this campus every Sunday. So as you might guess, when I step out into the community, um, I'm, sometimes I'm easily recognized. Um, I, I, it's, it's really weird. I've had people follow me to the bathroom going, hey, man, how you doing? I'm like, I'm, I'm peeing right now. Do we have to do this? Do we have to do this? Besides, this is the men's bathroom. You're a woman. Get out of here. And that's never happened. So I went, to, I went to Chili's. It's a true story. I went to Chili's. And one of the things I always do, and, and you, if you've ever heard me speak on podcasts, you know I'm, I'm big on if you walk into a restaurant, don't ever leave your server attract. Um, leave them a humongous tip and invite them personally to your church. If you leave them attract, you are nothing but a pathetic wuss, and you need to be rebuked for that, as I just did. Um, because I've never se- I worked in the restaurant industry for years and almost did not come to Christ because I worked on Sundays where Christians came in after church. So I'm just saying... Tip them big and invite them to church. So that's my attitude. So the waitress came to the table. True story. Waitress came to the table and and she and I tipped her big and I said, um, I would like to invite you to my church. And she said, she said, really? Um, what church do you go to? And I said, I go to New Spring Church. She said, I went there last Sunday. I said, you did? She said, yeah. She said, but the preacher wasn't preaching. Now I've heard he's good. But I'm going back this Sunday to find out. I never said a word. She looked at me. She said, do you like the preacher? I said, I go for the worship. I never told her. I just left. I was like, I, I, like, I can imagine her coming in the next, next day or next Sunday and sitting there going, oh, crap, I talked to him. The deal is, she never would have said that to me if she would have just known who I was. 
She never would have said, I've heard that. She never would have had that conversation. She just didn't recognize me. And that's, that's, that's fine. That's fine. You don't have to recognize me. But in this story, what I find interesting is Joshua didn't recognize Jesus. Joshua, now it's probably because Jesus had a sword in his hand. It didn't look like a thing in the pictures in the tabernacle where he had feathered hair and all that stuff. Jesus had a sword in his hand, not a Barbie doll. I mean, he had a sword in his hand. And so he probably didn't recognize Jesus. But the first thing he, wa- he says when he walks up to Jesus is like, whose side are you on? Which that's what we do sometimes. God, somebody's mad at me. Please come get on my side. He didn't even recognize Jesus. Because, because listen, it wasn't because he was evil or he was bad or he's sacrificing babies in the back room or anything. It's because he was busy. He was busy. He had things to do. He had places to go. He had people to see. He had just crossed the Jordan. He had just circumcised some people. He's getting ready to lead the army of Israel into the promised land. He's a leader. He gets things done. And he was so busy that he did not recognize Jesus. And I'm just saying, leaders, there can be so much danger in our ministry when we get so busy that we lose sight of him. We can't let that happen. We've got to fight against that with all of our might. Remember what happened to Peter? John 21, when he decided to go fishing without Jesus. Peter Peter was addicted to activity and not ministry, and there's a difference. Peter was addicted to activity, and he went fishing all night without Jesus, and what did he catch? You remember that? You've you've preached the story, right? He didn't catch anything. The next, next morning, Jesus is on the shore, and he couldn't even recognize the man he walked with for three years because he was so caught up in his activity. And then Jesus tells him, throw the net on the other side. Now, let me ask you a question. Peter was an expert fisherman. Do you really think Peter hadn't tried that? But when he listened to the voice of Jesus, it produced a harvest that the boat couldn't even hold. And then Peter recognized Jesus. We've got to recognize. Listen, pastors, I don't know what kind of church you've got. I don't, but I'm just telling you, we've got to push our people to recognize Jesus. That probably means there needs to be fewer pictures of you in your church. Because they, they can know you and go to hell. Like if somebody from New Spring shows up to heaven and they go, um, I know Perry Noble. Jesus is going to be like, yeah, that's that fool over there on his face. Um, they, like that's not going to help you. We've got to recognize who. And, I, this, this, and I'm, I'm going to move on. I think one of the reasons why so many leaders aren't preaching Jesus in the church is they've lost sight of who he is. Joshua did. And it's just because he was busy. The second thing we've got to recognize is the, is the what. Is the, and the what. If you look back in that text in Joshua chapter 5, the Bible says when Joshua was near Jericho. When Joshua was near Jericho. Translation, when Joshua was near one of the most significant spiritual breakthroughs he had ever experienced in his life. Near Jericho. I mean, let, let's be honest. Jericho had never happened before. In fact, Joshua, none of the Israelites had ever attacked a city like this. This was the first time this had ever happened in the history of Israel. They had never gone against a city, and they sure as heck hadn't gone against a city with this battle plan. They had never experienced anything like Jericho. Joshua was near one of the most significant spiritual breakthroughs in his life. And here's what I think sometimes as leaders, when we get focused on Christ, we will understand, and I believe this with all my heart for many of the leaders in this room, that you are quite possibly near one of the biggest spiritual breakthroughs in your life. You're near Jericho, but we will never discover what he wants us to do and we'll, until we discover who he is. But when we 
fix our eyes on Jesus, we discover, you know what? We really can have big vision. We can have take the freaking city of Jericho down vision. That's the kind of vision I think the church needs to have. Big vision. I am sick and tired of letting Disney and Microsoft and Apple outthink and outdream the church. That is sick. My God is bigger than a let's pave the parking lot next year and increase the budget by 3% God. Big vision. Big vision. If you've never had an oh crap moment, you've never heard from God. Let me ask you a question. Was the battle plan that, that God gave Joshua uncomfortable? There is nobody in this room that read that plan and went, man, that's, that is brilliant. Joshua's like, all right, you want me to do what? March, okay, put, put the worship leaders up front. Oh, that's good, because they'll get killed first. <laughs> None of our guys are mad. They're out back smoking. <laughs> oh, y'all thought that was funny. Just kidding, guys. I love you. I know you're in the back watching. God was pressing Joshua into the uncomfortable. And here's what I know, guys. Here's what I know. And this is, I'm learning this from personal experience. If you and I are not willing to be uncomfortable, we will eventually be unfaithful. If you and I are not willing to be uncomfortable, we will eventually be unfaithful. When was it in the Bible that God ever asked anyone to do anything easy? No, I want you to build a boat. Hey, God. There's not even a lake around here. I know. Build a boat. God, I'm several hundred years old. I know. Build a boat. Abraham, kill your son. I'm sorry, I thought you said kill my son. I did. When was it in the scriptures that God ever asked anyone to do anything that was easy? Once again, it goes back to seeing Jesus. When we see who he is, we're willing to attempt anything for him. Big, now, l- let me say this, and I'm going to move on. Jericho was a one-time event. Jericho was not the pinnacle of everything that God wanted to do in the promised land. Jericho was just the beginning, and Jericho never happened again. Jericho was not a strategy on how to take every city in the promised land. It was a one-time shot, and it was just the beginning of what God wanted to unleash in Joshua's life. Bring it to the New Testament, Acts 2. Acts 2 was not the epitome of what God wanted to do. It was the foundation and the beginning of what God... I'm sick and tired of us talking about getting back to Acts when Jesus told us that we could do greater things if we just had faith in him. Back to Acts? Back to Acts is the foundation. We should look at the book of Acts and go, thank you, Jesus, for that incredible foundation that you laid. We're going to take this thing and do exactly what you wanted us to do, reach the world for Christ and never look back. The what? Big vision. The last is the how. How did Joshua have this experience? Well, this next illustration might be kind of crude, but if you've been around New Spring, you're used to that. Um, married men, let me ask you a question. And this is church, and you've got to be honest. I know you're not honest in church a lot, but I'm going to ask you to be honest here. How you doing? Fine. You just cussed out your wife and beat all your kids on the way to church, but you're fine. Now, it's different for the women. But married men, when you got married and you said I do and then you walked out 
to the, whatever song they played. You don't even remember. What is the first thing that you wanted to do? Now, see, it's different for the girls because they're like, we wanted to dance and sing and have some cake. And I got all my friends and y'all come over here and y'all get the picture. And, and some of you ladies, you're here with your husband and he told you he liked that. Uh-uh. He was pissed the whole time. Am I lying, men? No. You wanted to get alone, didn't you? You wanted to get alone. You know why you wanted to get alone? Because alone, I'm going to be nice, alone, you could experience a level of intimacy that you never had experienced. You could see things hopefully you'd never seen. You could experience things you had never experienced alone. I still know that about your relationship. If you're married, when you get alone, you experience intimacy. None of y'all are freaks. You're not breaking it down in your local grocery store in the produce aisle. I mean, that's just weird. The goal, come on now, the goal is to get alone. Now, we know that with our spouse. Why do we not understand that with God? When we get alone with God, we can see things we've never seen. We can hear things we've never heard. We can experience things we have never experienced. But it's all based on the fact of you and I getting alone. Joshua went on a walk. Joshua, I mean, seriously, I would probably go on a walk too if I just had to circumcise my entire staff. He cut off his iPhone, you know what I'm saying? Went on a walk. He got alone. Don't miss this. When he was alone is when he saw Jesus. There's too many of us that aren't willing to get alone. I've heard pastors say, well, my door is always open. Well, you're worthless. You're worthless. Because if you're always accessible to people, then you're hardly ever accessible to God. Oh, and by the way, time with alone time with God, pastors, and I'm not talking about just your quiet time. I'm talking about when was the last time that you shut off your cell phone, you shut everything down, and you just went on a walk, or you went on a drive, you just got alone with the creator of the universe, you sat down with an open journal, and you just wrote, or you just prayed, or you just whatever. It was just time alone. And I know, listen, if you're a leader in here, I know the battle. I don't have time. I would argue that you don't have time not to. When was the last time you got alone with God and heard his voice? Because we don't experience that level of intimacy when we're going 900 miles an hour. You got to learn how to rest. My counselor told me, and this was so good, and I am in counseling. It's helping. Um, my counselor told me, we were sitting down, we we're talking about my insane schedule. And he said, Perry, I just got something to share with you. He said, and he, he said, I read this in a book. The Bible calls those who will not work lazy. And we like that, don't we? Like, especially if you're a leader. Like, that makes you, that just fires you up. Then he said, but the Bible also calls those who will not rest disobedient. Leaders, we, we need to see the who. And we need to see the what. But that doesn't happen at 900 miles an hour. We've got to get along. Recognition. Number two, submission. Submission. Now, I don't know about you, but the reason I don't like to get along with God sometimes is because he always tells me the truth. He never lies to me. And we all need people in our life that will tell us the truth. 
And the thing I love about it is we have a God in heaven that tells us the truth. He's not going to let something just slide, if you know what I'm saying. I was, um, at, we, were, we were getting ready to do multisite. I remember the first time I ever heard about multisite. I went, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That'll never work. Now we're doing multisite. Um, and and I, I, so I, I'd heard about all this stuff. And so I said, I'm going to go check it out. So we started traveling around the United States and looking at churches that were doing multisite. I was at this one church, and I'm not going to call the name of the church, but I was at this one church. It's a great church. They have a great ministry. Um, and I'm, 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 I'm sitting like right, right down front, right down front. And I'm watching the screen. Isn't it crazy that you'll sit right down front and watch the screen? I do it every week. We have a guest speaker. I'll sit right there where Francis is sitting. It's really intimidating having Francis Chan watch you while you preach. I'm sitting and, and, and look at the screen. And look at the screen. And so... So um, I was watching the screen, and they had ni- really nice HD cameras, and I love it when people cry, oh, you shouldn't have HD cameras. And the HD cameras actually cost less than your stained glass windows in your steeple, which is really practical. Um, but <laughs> seriously, wh- when's the last time somebody showed up at your church? You, wh- now, wh- now, what brought you to our church? <laughs> it's your steeple. <laughs> thing's awesome. Anyway, oh yeah, cameras. So, so I'm watching, and there's this girl, and she could, I mean, she could sing. I mean, she could sing, and she is singing, and it's so beautiful. And there's a worship moment, and it's so awesome. And they had this HD camera, like, right here, and they did one of these shots up, and she's like this, and she's singing. And I prom- I'm not trying to be middle school. I'm just telling you, in her nostril right here was the biggest bug I've ever seen in my life. And I'm like, somebody should have told the sister, you, you need to do one of these, baby. You need to do one of these when you roll it up and flick the thing. You need to do one of those. But no, like, no, and she's going, I love you, Jesus. And it's up in her nose going, me too. I mean, it was, when they gave the invitation, that thing crawled out and got saved. It was, it was big. I'm like, if somebody would just loved her enough to speak the truth to her and say, please, for, I, mean, I mean, if you're a musician and y'all got HD cameras, please do one of those checks before you go out. It is so important because you could be a sermon illustration one day. <laughs> Recognition and submission. I want to I read this to you again because I don't want us to miss this. Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up. And he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked him, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied. Don't miss this. This is huge. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. And then he gave him the plan, the battle plan. Now, I, I just want to hit this, and I, I'm going to move because I know, and this makes some of the strategy guy mad. mad. I, I believe in strategy. I love strategy. Here's our strategy. Listen to God and do what he says next. Listen to God and do what he says next. Because we've tried three-year strategies. We had this great idea in 2007. We did a, game, we did a building campaign called it Game Time. All these people pledged all this money in 2007. Yeah, did anybody see the recession coming other than Glenn Beck? <laughs> N- no. 
Okay, I'm telling here's the best strategy. Listen to God, do what he says. Listen to God, do what he says. Listen to God and do what he says. And what works in Anderson, South Carolina is not going to work in Dallas, Texas. And what works in Dallas, Texas isn't going to work in Atlanta, Georgia. And what works in Atlanta, Georgia is not going to work in Michigan. And what works in Michigan, I mean, it's different. You just listen to God and do what he says. I mean, preach Jesus, preach the cross, preach the gospel, but listen to God and do what he says. And that's what Joshua was doing. He was listening. Anytime Joshua did not listen to God, the whole Gibeonite thing, it all blew apart and Achan had to kill him and all this stuff. I mean, it gets crazy. Listen to God and do what he says. But the thing that fascinates me about this passage is Joshua, once again, is a man on the move. Leaders have places to go and things to do, and he's kind of moving. He's got the thing. He's circumcised. I'm going to take the city. And he's so pumped up, and he's so fired up. And he gets in front of Jesus, and Jesus says, Joshua, um, take your shoes off. Now, if you're a leader, you don't get that. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, Jesus. Hold on, hold on. I got things to do. I mean, I've got, I've got, a, I've got a staff over here and they're recovering, you know, and it's been a bad day for them. But we just crossed. Did you see the Jordan thing, God? God's like, yeah, I saw that. Okay, good, good. We, we did. And, and we're going to go on to greater things. I mean, we're going we're gonna, to um, take over the city. We're going to do things. We're going to make the sun stand still. Okay, anyway, so I just a little plug there for my boy. Um, so, so we're going to see. We're going to see great and awesome things. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. And, Joshua, and jo- Joshua's got these plans, and God's like, Joshua, 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 take off your shoes. Now, if you're an artist, you get that. If you're a worship leader, you're like, yeah. Take off your shoes. Man. I mean, you're, you're just there. Leaders don't smoke weed. We smoke crack. Anyway, so we, like, this is not an artist conference. Like, if this was an artist, like, we started at 830. You guys were here. If this was an artist conference, we'd have had to, we'd announced 830. We'd actually had to start at 945. They're kind of rolling in. We'd have had to have some interpretive dance and stuff like that. I mean, it'd have been, I mean we'd have served hummus at the break. I mean, it would have been, it would have been this crazy thing. This is a leadership conference. We're serving red meat raw. I mean, that's what we do. We're leaders. And so because we're leaders, we want to get things done. And, and, And so Joshua's got that intensity, and he gets in front of Jesus, and Jesus says, take off your shoes. Are you crazy? I started reading this, and I was, I was blown away. I was like, why in the world did you tell Joshua to take off his shoes? But why did he say take off your shoes? He said take off your shoes for the ground, for the place you're standing is holy. Now, I started thinking about the feet. Everybody in here has nasty feet. I mean, your feet are nasty. I don't even care if you're a man that gets a pedicure. And if you are, don't confess that. I mean, just don't. But everybody in here has nasty, just toe jam feet. Now, think about, think about it in those days. How nasty those feet were. Nasty feet. Stepping in animal poop and all that. Just nasty feet. I think the message here is God was telling Joshua... I want my holiness to touch the nastiest part of your body. I want for you, because Joshua, don't miss this, the only thing separating my holiness 
from your sinfulness are the soles of your shoes. The only thing separating you from a breakthrough and a miracle and experiencing me in a way you have never experienced me before, Joshua, are the soles of your shoes. And if, Joshua, if I can't trust you to take off your shoes, I can't trust you with the battle plan for Jericho. If I can't trust you to do this small thing, Joshua, I can't trust you with the greater things. So, Joshua, take off your shoes. And the Bible said, and Joshua did so. He completely submitted to Jesus in the small things. And because he submitted to Jesus in the small things, he did things that are so great, we're talking about him thousands of years later. Submission. So what is that area in your life where God's saying, take off your shoes? Because every one of us as leaders, come on now, we are so jacked up. We just hide it better than anybody else. Maybe it's the area of pride. Every leader struggles with pride on some level. Now, listen, it's it's dangerous. It's dangerous because somebody can come up to you and say, you're not humble. And as soon as you go, yes, I am, you lost. Like that, I mean, it sucks, but that's the way it is. But there are leaders here. There are leaders here. There are leaders here today. You know you need counseling. You know you need help. You're over your head, but you will not call out for help because you think it makes you look weak and actually it makes you look strong. Maybe it's angry. Maybe it's anger. Do you know there's a lot of angry leaders? Like angry leaders. I was recently with my counselor. He said, let's talk about your anger issues. I was like, no, I don't have any anger issues. He was like, see what I mean? Maybe it's, um, maybe it's, ang- maybe it's fear. Maybe it's insecurity. Listen, I'm going to tell you, I'm one of the most insecure people on the planet. I struggle with insecurity. And all of you guys do, all, all you guys that are preachers, come on now, how many times did you check your fly before you walk out on a Sunday? 800 million because that's the word, like, you're going to be YouTubed with your fly open. I mean, that's, that is, I, I'm insecure. I, I was joking around with the guys last night, um, and I was talking about how I'm just not the smartest man in the room. I'm just not. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I dropped out of seminary, um, and, and I, I, I don't even know what I'm doing most days, and I'm just trying to listen to the Lord. And, do, and I, said, I said, I made a 790 on my SAT. And Francis literally looked at me and said, was that verbal or math? I said, Francis, it's the whole thing. I made a 790. And he said something under his breath. I don't know, probably, dear God, help him or something like that. But I mean, I wrestle with that, leaders. And you know what? God has, to, God has had to deal with me in that. Maybe it's a sin issue. At Unleash, I preached, I, preached a, I preached a message and talked to people about repenting of sin and pastors about repenting of sin. And um, Clayton, where's Clayton? Clayton, one of, my, one of my best friends right here, Clayton King, um, went and talked, uh, did a breakout on protecting your pastor. Some of you probably went to that and had somebody come up to him afterwards and say, Clayton, um, my pastor is having an affair. And I know it and some of the elders know it. What do we do? And Clayton said, you go get that pastor and bring him to me. And they were like, no. And he was like, well, you go tell. Basically, long story short, these guys weren't going to confront their pastor and they weren't going to talk about it. And they just kind of pretended it didn't happen. You got to deal with sin. If there's a pastor here that has a sin issue or a church leader, you, you got to deal with that. Or it's going to get dealt with. And pastors, we got, we got to understand the ramifications of this. Because, listen, listen. Karis, when she was two, we were at the beach and we were swimming in the pool. 
Um, we had this, this condo. We rented this condo thing. We go down every year. We're swimming in the pool. We're swimming in the pool. We're having fun. And she had on the swimmy diapers. You know what I'm talking about? Those of your parents, you know the swimmy diapers. They're supposed to hold like 42 pounds. Um, well, she had obviously eaten broccoli the night before or something because it was more than 42 pounds. And she's in the pool. And Lucretia's like, Perry, come here. Come here. And I'm sitting in the lounge chair. I'm like, no, I'm good, baby. And Lucretia's like, no, come here. And I was like, no, baby, I'm good. And Lucretia went, Perry, now. So I freaking moved, man, because like when your wife says now, I mean, you just move. And I went over, and she held, she held Karis up to me. And when she did, I reached and grabbed her, and there was crap just falling out of her diaper. I looked in the bottom of the pool, and there is poop everywhere. It is, it is all over. It's all over Karis. It's all over Lucretia. It's all over me. I was like, ah! No, I didn't. So I, I took her. With the grandparents were there. I was like, Grandma! And so I handed her. And so, so we, we got, we got all, everything cleaned up and everything. And I'm standing there, and the pool is full of little kids playing and I'm, you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to go, sucks to be them, and just kind of walk away and leave it. But I thought, if I was a dad, I would want somebody. So I literally, I literally had to walk around to all the dads and go, hey, listen, man, um, you might want to get your kid out of the pool. Because you see that over there? <laughs> That's not tree bark. <laughs> My daughter did that. My beautiful daughter did that. And all the parents were cool. In fact, one parent said, hey, hey, boys, get out of, get out of the pool. If you, see a, if you see a baby Ruth, it's not Caddyshack. Come on, kids. <laughs> and, then, and then I had to go tell the hotel, I mean, the condo people. I was like, listen, um, I don't really know if this is a big deal, but my daughter crapped in your pool. And... <laughs> They came out and literally hung a sign. I wish I'd have taken a picture of it. They wrote it on a cardboard sign, poop in pool. (laughs) We go to high-class places, baby. (laughs) Poop in pool, shut down. Her crap shut down the pool. Hey, church leader. Your crap can shut down the pool. You got to get that out. That's why God told Joshua to take off his shoes because I want to. I want to deal with this issue in your life. I'll close with this. Recently, for me, um, we've had an incredible season here at New Spring Church. It's it's been unbelievable what we've seen. I've I've never seen God move like He's moving right now. Um, we didn't, there's not a formula. We don't know why. We just keep talking about Jesus and people keep getting saved. It's amazing. We, two, two weeks ago, we saw 518 people repent of their sins and give their life to Christ. Where um, It was unbelievable. And, and, and we've had people say, well, were those real salvations? I don't know. If you make it to heaven, you can ask them. Anyway, um... This is just something that God did in me, though. It was, it was so amazing. Um, I, God, over the past several months, just keeps bringing me back to the cross. I can't get over the fact that he saved me. And he is stretching me in that area so big. I was reading in Luke the other day, and I'm going to read this to you and I'm going to close. 
the apostles, the disciples, just got back from a really, really productive season of ministry. I mean, like they did stuff that, I mean, they were casting out demons and bringing people back from the dead. I mean, just really crazy stuff that if we did in our church, it would freak everybody out. And they came back and they reported to Jesus everything they had done. They were like, man, we're seeing some great things happen. We're breaking attendance records. We're baptizing. We're doing all this great, amazing stuff, Jesus. And it's awesome. And this is what Jesus said to the guys that were accomplishing more in ministry than most of us have ever accomplished. He said this in Luke chapter 10, verse 17. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. In other words, Jesus is like, you are going to do great and awesome things. Your leaders, your ministers, you're going to reach the world for Christ. But then this verse slayed me. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. He said, hey, boys, don't rejoice in your activity. Rejoice in my grace and my holiness because it is the very reason you get to do what you get to do. To God be the glory. He is a great God. He is a great God. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, thank you so much for today. God, it is going to be an incredible, incredible, incredible day. Father, we thank you right now in the name of Jesus. for the work you're going to do here. God, I thank you there are so many people from so many denominations, of so many backgrounds, here for one purpose, Lord, to learn more about you, Jesus, and your church. God, fill us up today. May this not just be a conference that we attend, but may it be a life-changing experience. We love you, Jesus, and you're awesome. Thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.